Well, we're moving into chapter 10 today in Romans. I know. Put on your seatbelts, ladies and gentlemen. Sharon did a great job working through chapter 9 last Sunday, and, and I agree with her. You can actually cluster those chapters together, 9, 10, and 11. It's a train of thought that Paul is moving through. But I, I felt it really important to pick up on a tension that Paul is feeling as he's writing, as he moves from chapter 8 through 9 and gets into this spot because he hits a spot where he, like, what happened? And he's, he's writing along as he's writing. And I imagine, I don't know, for me, I imagine the apostle there writing and, and then praising and then writing and then praising and then writing and then praying and, and then writing some more. But I think of the apostle just being in the presence of the Lord and worshiping and out of that, that connection, communicating these things which we now know are the inspired word of God. And he has just written an incredible statement. He, he's written that nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. Can I get an amen? We just, you know, you read that and, and, and it flows out of him. It flows out of his worship and his connection. And as he's, as he's putting down these incredible truths, he, he writes that down and all of a sudden it hits him like a ton of bricks. Bam! I've got to reckon with my own people. What do I do with that? The Jews, the chosen people, don't appear right with God. It appears they're separated. What happened? And, and, and Paul just pauses for a moment and, 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 and wonders, what in the world happened? Is the verse true? Is there something, actually, that may be able to separate us? And the answer is, yes, in a sense. Yes, in a sense. Not a complete disconnection. Nothing can separate us from the love that God has for us. He, the sovereign almighty God, loves you with an everlasting love. Unbreakable, unshakable, unchangeable, the love is flowing. But there is things that we can do that disconnect us from the experience of it. If you turn on the shower, the water flows. But people, you got to get under it. And in this case, there's still electricity that's flowing, but there's a disconnection. It stopped the connection. God's love is still hovering right there, but a connection's been lost which is serious. It makes us go, wow, and it creates a tension. And so Paul is writing here in Romans 10. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is a misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. That's important to repeat. They don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's ways, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. 
Why, oh why, oh why would that happen? And could we ever do that? You see, the, the curious thing about this tension of believing, of, of faith, of trust, is that in order to be in that arena, you have to relinquish control. And how many of you love that? Go ahead, take the wheel, Jesus, right? So what we usually do after a while, you know, usually there's, there's a desperate place where we meet Jesus. We, it's, a, it's absolutely an impossible place. It feels like there's no way I can get through this. And in that desperation, we cry out to the Lord and we're saved. We connect with his help. And then when things get better, when Israel gets out of Egypt and into the promised land, when things get better, there is something within all of us Paul's not just writing this for the sake of Israel. He's writing this for the sake of the people everywhere. That there is something in us that will begin to take faith and bend it back towards religion. Why? Because we like things that we can do and control. I don't dance. I don't drink. I don't play cards. I don't go to those movies. I have a friend that used to, he grew up in, in a church in the uh, northernmost part of Canada, the Black Coat Baptists. And if you were really spiritual, all you wore was a black coat because those fancy coats, mm, mm, mm. But see, that's something you can do. That's something you can control. I mean, your favorite color might not be black, but that's a whole lot easier than trusting God in the middle of a situation where you can't see where you're going or what's going to happen. So you have the Pharisees who are leading the charge who take the 613 Mosaic laws. And one example of what they do is they, they take like one of the Ten Commandments, observe the Sabbath. That's just one commandment. Go like this one. That's just one. And out of that one commandment, what they do is they hang 39 instructions, rabbinic instructions of how to do that. Don't pick up your mat. Can't harvest grain. And boy, they'd be Johnny on the spot if they saw you. They were after the disciples. Why are your disciples picking grain on the Sabbath? And they, you, you just fall into that. The Pharisees, you know, the Pharisees, just to be clear, they didn't get together one day and they go, hey, I got an idea. It'd be like me coming to you. Hey, Bridgewood, I got an idea. Let's figure out how we can be the meanest, cruelest, most religious people in the world, and then let's do that. They didn't do that. There's something in us that does that. Which is why Paul is talking to us this way. He's saying, that, that's not the thing. And he goes on then to say, in 4, here's the deal. All who believe in him are made right with God. That's it. But being so true to our nature, we take this concept of believing and we move it from a place where it's an active trust and leaning and resting and hoping and looking to and clinging to, to a place where it's, oh yeah, I believe. I believe. 
believing means trusting. Really giving the steering wheel. Actually giving the keys to Jesus. Trusting means acknowledging I, I really am not in control. I'm really not in charge. Have you had those encounters where you realize how little control you and I have? It's spooky. But God doesn't want it just to be spooky for spooky's sake. He wants it to go, yes. That's why the just shall live by faith. Trust me. Long before I had met Jesus, but Jesus was already working behind the scenes. There I was. I was a junior in college, this big macho football player. And I used to drive the coaches nuts because I, I, I couldn't touch my toes. This is about all the further I could get. You know, Spencer, you're a muscle-bound idiot. Yes, sir. <laughs> so their plan was, you know, they had me and some of the other muscle-bound idiots take ballet, which, <laughs> which was a sight to see. My roommate was the defensive tackle. He was 6'2", 285 pounds. Watching him was... And then the other thing that they had us do was to take this swimming class. And the swimming class was led by a guy who loved to crush football players. And he, he would push us. We're going to teach you how to do the butterfly today. I mean, no. I sink like a rock. You know, just let me dog paddle. And you had to get into 16 links of the butterfly. You know, we're, we're just dying. And then we, we got into a section where we had to dive. And we had the low, medium, and the high dive. And you don't realize how high that high dive is until you get up there. And I do not like water. Truth be told, I almost drowned three times when I was a kid. And, and so the idea of being in water that's really deep, way over my head, just doesn't feel good. And here I was, Mr. Macho, Mr. Cool, and we had to go to the high dive, and we had to do some kind of a backwards dive. Yeah, you feel me? And I, but I'm supposed to be Clint Eastwood. I'm supposed to be Mr. Cool. My, I'll tell you, my knees were knocking, but I'm just doing my best version of Macho as I, get, as I climb this long ladder, and then I get up there, and I just think, oh, Mama. And so I just think, okay, here goes. And uh, I turn around, and I, I launch for uh, a back dive. And as I'm coming back down, my heel hits the board. That's what everybody in the room did. And I hit the water, and I, I open my eyes underwater because I'm fully expecting to see some red floating up from my foot, you know. None. So I was like, oh, whew. My head popped out of the water. And I hear this guy go, Spencer, you got to do it again. Oh! Now, if you would have asked me before this experience if I believed in God, I would have said, absolutely not. That's ridiculous. What do you think I did the second time I went up? I did. I didn't know how to pray. You don't have to be fancy when you're desperate. Here's what I did. I got on the board. I put my feet on there. And... This is where, you know, I'm sure Jesus was just writing this down because this was funny. 
I said, Lord, if you get me out of this, I promise I will be good the rest of my life. Ha <laughs> ha! Woo! Yeah! Gabriel, did you hear that? Two witnesses, baby. We got it right here. Off I went. I didn't hit my foot, land in the water. Woo! Man, I was so happy. But do you think I was good the rest of my life? No! I mean, I knew to call, but I didn't know to follow. But oh, Jesus was on the hunt. Yes, he was. It wasn't long after that. And see, this is why the promise remains. It's all about trust. Anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. It's, it's this incredible promise that what he wants us to do is trust him. Not trust me. Trust him and follow him. But here's where we got to think together. When is it hard for you to trust God? Think with me for a moment. When is it hard for you to trust God? Talk to me. When it seems dark. Why is dark not so cool, Amy? Yeah. Yeah. You can't see. Jennifer. You feel like you're not hearing. Yeah. Oh, man. Yep. And sometimes you think you do hear something, but then you struggle, don't you? Like what? Oftentimes I'll hear the Lord say, you should go pray for that person. La, 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 la. You know, I'm in a struggle then. When else is it hard? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I heard one preacher say the most dangerous place, the most risky place that God moves into is when he blesses his people because he could lose them. Dave. When what? Yeah, they're going so well. I don't need them. Yeah. Jane. Preach it to me really loud. You're pretty sure he's going to say no? Yeah. Yep. And you want to say yes. (laughs) Yeah. There's all kinds of places, isn't it, where it's challenging. And it can hit. I I talk to someone regularly who has a, a work situation. I'm so concerned about workplaces. They're becoming more and more inhumane. And, you know, to be honest, I don't know all the reasons why this young man... uh, kills two people and, and kidnaps this 13-year-old in Barron, Wisconsin. I can tell you this, though, from the little profile I read and what people are saying about it, he became unhuman. He, he was disconnected. People didn't look out for him. They didn't reach to him. He came from a family that was disrupted. He didn't feel like there was any connection in his life. And then pretty soon you just, you're not human. And in these workplaces, that's, that's what I'm seeing happening. And this one particular person telling me about how hard it is to be a Christian. First of all, it's not fancy in this workplace to be a Christian. Anybody else here experience that? Can't even say Merry Christmas. Don't say that. And then you're persecuted for your faith. It's unfair. It's unkind. It's unreasonable. And people are acting like junior hires in a hallway, picking and criticizing and gossiping. 
And in the middle of that, it's very easy to go, God, where are you? And to keep being faithful, isn't it? To keep trusting. It's challenging when God does say something to you like, I I want you to go pray for that person. I mean, honestly, I struggle with that. Is that God? What I really struggle with is the potential awkwardness of going over and saying to a total stranger, say, how are you today? Can I pray for you? So there's, we, when we, we, we're trying to do this faith-filled life, this life by faith, not by rules, but, but faith and trust in this person to lead and guide me through all those turns and twists and ups and downs. It's challenging. And so I want to invite John Moline up here, if he would come up and join me. Give John a hand. There you go. There you go. John, turn that mic on. We're going to record this for posterity's sake. Great. Yeah. So when, when, I call, when I called you, mm-hmm. what was your question back to me? Well, first I said yes, and then I thought, and then I went ba- sent back to him and said, wait a minute, what am I getting myself into here? <laughs> that sounds a lot like our relationship with God. I said yes, but then you go, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, wait. <laughs> so I said to John, I said, trust me. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And that took some trust, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah def- definitely, does. yeah. So, come on over here, okay. right here, and turn around here, and look this way with me, and look down this way. Do okay. you think you can walk across the stage? I think I can. Okay, yeah. but here's the deal. If you walk by faith, you don't walk by sight. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, would you hand me your glasses? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Here's where John's going, oh, Mark, oh, Mark. Yeah, you don't walk by sight. You walk by faith. So would you put this on and blindfold yourself? Because the reality is, is that none of us really know what's ahead of us. Do we? We like to think we do. We like to have our plans and all organized. But the reality is that we don't know. We really don't know. So, if we don't know what's in front, and we can't see, which he can't, right? I don't like these laughs. Yeah. Nothing bad's happening. Nothing, nothing bad's happening yet. Now, in order to pull this off, There's going to be some obstacles that are now in your way. You can't see them. All right? So in order to make it from one side of the stage to the other, you're going to have to do some maneuvering. Now, what would help you, John? What could help you negotiate this? Uh, Instructions. Instructions? Not going to get them. (laughs) So try again. What else would help? What don't you have right now? I don't have sight. You don't have sight. You can't see. Would it help to have someone who could? Oh, yeah. Is there someone in the audience who you trust that could see for you? Uh, Yeah, there is. Who is that? That would be Laura, my wife. 
Laura Moline, come on up. It's a package deal. John and Laura are marriage mentors here. They coordinate the marriage ministry. By the way, there's lots of stuff going on that way. So make. I didn't. I know. I hope we didn't break our trust. So your job, Laura, is going to be able to is to guide this guy through. So, John, how come you trust Laura? Be careful when you answer this. How come you trust her? How can I? No. How come you do? My best friend, she has been with me for 35 years. I, I trust her totally. Yeah. Do you know her voice pretty well? I, yes, I do. Yeah. So, very similar to our relationship with God, right? With you, know the voice, can discern. Now, here's the struggle. You're going to go through this, and Laura's going to call kind of where she's from, maybe move back a little bit, Laura. And you're going to call to John and I want you to have him. We're going to move this because we don't want to lose John forever. We're going to do like a Gary Worley ski slalom here. We're going to go around here. We're going to go around here. And we're going to go around here and very carefully negotiate this. Now, here's the deal, though. You have to listen to her voice. But the reality is in this faith walk, someone mentioned this, Am I really hearing God? Because there's all kinds of voices, isn't there? We have our own voice that sometimes says stuff to us that's not the most positive. So can I get a volunteer to come up here and be one voice? All you got to do is go like this. Come on. Come on, Sue. Come on up. And then we have outside voices. Different people say something. Someone want to do that? Be the outside voice? Come on up. Come on, Matt. Come on. And last but, last but not least, someone has to be the devil. Because the devil's always speaking to us too. This, don't take this personally, but I need a volunteer. <laughs> that was a terrible way of asking for a volunteer. Heidi, you're going to have to help me with this, you know. Will you come up? Yeah, come on up. So, um, Matt, let's see. I I would like you to, right here, don't fall off, okay? Turn, like, right here. Sue, come on over here. I'm going to kind of put you here, over here. And then Heidi, maybe, like, back right right there. And part of your responsibility is to make sure John doesn't, yeah. Okay? Yeah. All right. So, now, here we go. You're, you're, you're about to launch out by faith. You're going to have to listen for Laura, and she's going to negotiate your way around the slalom course in the midst of competing voices. God bless you. Go. Close. Okay, go straight towards me. Go straight towards me. 
your glasses. Oh yeah. Put yourself back together. Okay. Wait, 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 we're not done yet. There's more. Okay. Was it scary? <clears throat> well, yeah, I kept thinking I'm going walk she's telling me to walk towards the end of the stage, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's gotta be here soon. Yes. <laughs> this whole faith thing's scary, is it not, people? Really? Let's be real. It's scary. It, 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 did you have to concentrate on Laura's voice? Yeah, yeah, I did. I were there times yeah. where it was really confusing? Like who's? There was a few times where you know, yeah, but yeah. I, it really helped to know her voice and uh, and uh, trust her. You know? Yeah, had so, a focus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you think if you would practice, you could do this easier and easier and better and better? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, next week we'll pick it up. No. <laughs> I, might, I no. might be sick next week. Yeah, I, you never know. <laughs> I don't blame you. Thank you, John. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Give him a hand. Thank you, all you helpers, too. You, you did a fantastic job. You didn't know what you were getting yourself into, did you, Laura? No. You did a great job. That, I think, is probably one of the best illustrations of what it's really like, isn't it? Just the tension you feel, and you're concentrating, you're really, you're really trying to make it through. And Paul wants us to realize this. You know, he says, we walk by faith, not by sight. And he explains in Romans 10, the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. You're just, you're never going to lose your way. You have to trust. But those moments of trust, there's, there's so many ways they hit us. They hit us in the doctor's office. They hit us at work. They hit us with teenage children. They hit us with any children. They, they, they hit us in ways where, you know, sometimes we feel like it's not going the way I want it. One writer in, in Daily Bread Devotional was talking about his test of faith. He said, this doesn't sound like it's really dramatic, but I went to help my son. Um, had, a, had a travel two days to get there and help him do some repairs on his house. And I had other things that I wanted to do back at my house. So, he, but he said the, he felt like the Lord was calling him to, 
to do this. And so, he, you know, here he is. He's, he's going there and he gets there. And, and then, of course, it's a home project, so it just goes really smoothly and you finish ahead of time, right? <laughs> and uh, then he's, he's like, well, Lord, I have other things I got to do. And he just kept wanting to go. And the Lord kept saying to him, no, stay. No, stay. No, stay. And he, he, he got more and more anxious. But he was trying to be faithful, trying to trust. And then the third day when they thought they were going to be able to wrap it up, it turns out his daughter who lives in the same town got in a car accident and it was very good that he was there. She was fine. The story has a happy ending. But he realized, oh Lord, you're multitasking. You knew. That's why I'm here. And so we, we need to keep practicing this faith instead of sliding into some other form of religious practice like Israel did. When they slide off, they're not even living by faith anymore. And they're missing the guidance they need. They don't realize they're walking in the dark. So we need to continue to practice trust. 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 One of the most beautiful pictures of trusting the Lord and what it looks like was demonstrated to me some years ago when I read this story about this woman on this guy's back. Her name is Pascal Henri. She's a 50-year-old mom from Australia, and she was rendered a paraplegic after a car accident 18 years previous to this. And after she was wheelchair, one of her favorite things to do would go to the beach and watch her sons surf. And she longed in her heart. She herself was an adventurous spirit. She longed in her heart. I wish I could do that. And the boys started talking to one of their friends, who is this young man, Tyrone Swan, who's a very good surfer, a professional surfer. And they decided that what they were going to do was they were going to duct tape. That's duct tape, people. <laughs> duct tape Pascal on to him. Her legs are not functioning, so they're wrapped on there. And then she's strapped here, and she can hang on with her arms as well. But it looks like this when you're surfing. That is in the ocean with big Australian white sharks. There she is. That's faith. That's faith. You duct tape to God. And he surfs. He surfs. She can't. We can't. He can I would encourage you. It's, I, we don't have time this morning to watch the video, but watch the video. It's incredible. Just an incredible picture of how they learned to do this together. And in one of the interviews, you know, Tyrone said, hey, listen, I'm, I'm working, but so is she. She's learned. It's like a dance. Go this way and that way. And you have to, when you're riding these huge waves in Australia, you, one motion, one motion, and you're doing this. It duct taped together. Is that a good visual or not? Ladies and gentlemen, this call to us is duct tape yourself to God. For he has duct taped himself to you. Our trust sometimes can feel so small in the darkness. But trust is like a muscle. Exercise it. What John said is true. If he and Laura go home and practice which would be fun, call me. You get better and better. There's an easy, unforced obedience and flow that can happen between you and God.
So more important than leaving this morning with some new thoughts, saying that, oh yeah, I believe that, is to leave with a heart that's engaged to say, that's it, I got my roll of duct tape, I'm going surfing with God. As we get ready to close in prayer, I want you to get in an attitude of prayer with me because I want to ask you a couple of questions. Would you bow your heads? We're going to have a generous space this morning in worship and we have communion this morning. If you're visiting, the way we take communion here is we'll just invite you to stand and worship and when you're ready to come to the table, you can go to either of the three tables on either side of the stage here and break bread. If you're a follower of Christ, that's good enough for us. Welcome to the household of God. We would like to invite you to the table. Think with me. Where's your trust being stretched right now? Is it in a relationship? Is it in the area of money? Is it in a change that seems to be coming your way? Where is your trust getting challenged? Now with that centermost in your heart and in your mind, I want to invite you to re-engage with the Lord in worship and communion. Get, why not get prayer? If you need prayer, get prayer. We have prayers that will be in the back corner over there. People who have a heart for prayer, they'd love to pray with you. Or maybe you just want to pray with your neighbor. Or maybe you just want to pray on your own right there in the worship. Do that. But this is a chance, ladies and gentlemen, for us to engage God, to take the role of duct tape, and deliberately strap ourselves to him and to say, God, this seems so scary. This seems so outrageous. But I hear you. I hear you calling. And I'm ready to go surfing. So, Lord, thank you for your unbelievable and generous mercy and grace, how you continually call to us, how you are always stretching your hand out to us, always pouring out your love in a way that, you want us to catch it. And if there's been disconnects, let there be reconnects. If there's been a faltering, let there be a restarting. If there's been hopelessness, living hope, charge their hearts. And let us leave this room the new sense of being duct taped to the Almighty. We trust you now to do just that. In Jesus' name, amen. One more of you got I hear the Savior say Thy strength indeed is small Child of weakness watch and pray Find in me Thine all in all Jesus paid it all All to him I owe Sin had left a crimson stain He washed it 
white as snow that you can change things around, that you can change everything from crimson, from deep, dark red stains into bright white. Thank you, Lord. Pray that you would do that in our hearts, you do that in our minds today, that we would be changed by you, that you would make us better, you would make us more like you. your name today, that you are the one that changes things. You're the one that brings life. You're the one that breathes life into us and gives us a hope, gives us 
so much more love, so much more of your faithfulness and your goodness. And God, I pray for more of that today. I pray that we would receive from you. We won't run away from you. We would just go after the things that you have. So help us in that simplicity to just go after you, just to listen and hear your voice, Lord. Amen.